Let us pray. Bring us, Father, into this holy Lent. Grant that we may feel true sorrow for our sins and true joy at the mercy that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. For my birthday last year, Father Chase gave me this little gift. And from a distance, it probably looks to you something like a Christmas tree ornament or a pretty little knickknack that you might put on your bookshelf. And so since it's so small, I'm going to describe it for you a little bit. Here at the top is a dove descending in a, in a, a ray of light. And below here is a very small basin. This is called a baptismal font. And this little basin, at the beginning of every week, I fill up with holy water so that any time I enter into my office, I can dip my finger into this and make the sign of the cross on my forehead. And I do that sign of the cross just like Father Jim did at St. Mary's Catholic Church when I was baptized as an infant. And so in doing that, in rehearsing that every morning, what I'm doing is remembering my baptism. Now, I didn't come up with this idea, <clears throat> this daily ritual of, of remembering my baptism. Many Christians have practiced this throughout the centuries and have written volumes about the value of remembering. Listen to what the reformer John Calvin said about this. We must remember that at whatever time we are baptized, we are once and for all washed and purged for our whole life. Therefore, as often as we fall away, we ought to recall the memory of our baptism and fortify our mind with it, that we may always be sure and confident of the forgiveness of sins. And right down the road in Germany, another reformer said something similar, except a little more brazen. This is Martin Luther. For this reason, we must hold boldly and fearlessly to our baptism and hold it up against all sins and terrors of conscience and humbly say, I know full well that I have not a single work which is pure, but I am baptized. And through my baptism, God, who cannot lie, has bound himself in a covenant with me, not to count my sins against me, but to slay it and to blot it out. In other words, we remember our baptisms because remembering invites us into repentance. And when we repent, we remember what it was that our baptism secured for us, the forgiveness of sins and the renewal of our souls by the power of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And right now, you might be thinking, okay, <laughs> it's really early in the morning. <laughs> Martin and John and Bree, I, I get that it's important, but isn't that a little bit excessive? Why do you need to remember your baptism every day? We Anglicans, we're, we're better than most, right? We renew our baptismal vows a few times a year. Isn't that enough? Well, husbands, wives, <laughs> do you think your spouse would feel good and secure if you told them that you loved them once a quarter or once a month? Isn't it a little excessive to tell them every day? Does that make you cringe a little bit? I hope so. 
The thing is, we're, we're shaped by the things that we remember. We're shaped by the rituals that we practice over and over again. We're shaped by the habits that make up our lives. I brush my teeth every morning and every night because I remember the picture of gingivitis that I saw in wellness class in high school. I turn off my air conditioner before I leave for work because I remember what happens to my electric bill when I forget. I remember to put an oven mitt on my hand before I take the cookies out because I remember what it felt like to grab the 400-degree oven rack. I remember because it's my nature to forget. It's true. Forgetfulness is embedded in our nature. Different cultures accentuate this in different ways. In the West, where we live, technology strives to compensate for our forgetfulness by making sure that we all have a little rectangle in our pockets to remind us where we need to be, that our mortgage payment is due, that it's our Aunt Becky's birthday. And in the Middle East, the human capacity for forgetfulness is actually ingrained in the language. The Arabic word for human literally means to forget. So faithful Muslims the world over pray five times a day and they make pilgrimages to their holy land because they know that if they don't continually remember, they're going to be doomed to forget. And so for us Christians, the fact is, what we're acknowledging by living in the church calendar is our proclivity to continually forget. And so the season of Lent is, above all else, a season of remembrance. We remember what Christ has done. We rehearse his temptation in the wilderness, his journey to the cross, and yes, his grisly crucifixion and his death. But we also remember ourselves, how we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, how we're all shackled to death like prisoners until Christ comes to set us free. We remember that we are dust, and to dust we will return. And so here we are on Ash Wednesday, the very beginning of this season of Lent. And it's palatable this morning how this day falls over us like a shroud. We're coming down still from the euphoric holiday season. We're still settling into our New Year's routines. We maybe are still enjoying some chocolate from Valentine's Day. And then out of nowhere, Ash Wednesday. In just a few minutes, every person in this room, young, old, sick, healthy, wealthy, poor, everyone, is going to come forward, and you're going to have the sign of the cross drawn on your forehead. But unlike what I do every morning when I walk into my office, this cross isn't going to be made of holy water. It's going to be marked with ashes. Instead of causing you to remember your baptism, it's going to cause you to remember your death. The first time I brought one of my children forward on Ash Wednesday, she was just a baby, I felt physically ill. 
I wanted to take the bowl ashes from the priest's hands and just smash it on the floor. And that is right. It should kindle up in us some nausea and discontent because Ash Wednesday acknowledges that the image of God in us is broken and marred by sin. We are cursed like Adam to remember that we are but dust and to dust we will return. There's not a sentimental way to put it. We are all going to die. At the end of this past December, I did two burial services in 10 days. And at both of these services, I invited the loved ones to come forward and to sprinkle dirt into the grave. And people did this in a myriad of ways. Some of them sprinkled the dirt in the sign of the cross. Some of them whispered words of affection or um, departure to their loved one. And at one of these services, the six-year-old granddaughter of the departed person came forward. And she stared down at the coffin for a second. And she took a great heaping mound of dirt and she flung it into the grave, just like this. This act and my desire to smash the bowl of ashes, those are proper responses to death. They are visceral acknowledgments that things are not as they should be. But why? Why are things not as they should be? Why are we here being marked? Why do we have to die? The wages of sin is death. The most concise answer to this this question, this why that we all carry with us, the most concise answer comes to us from Romans 6. The wages of sin is death. The thing that actually weighs us down, the thing we're actually enslaved to is not death at all. It's sin. Sin is the great equalizer of humankind. We say it every week in our prayer of confession. We confess that we have sinned against you, God, in thought, word, and deed by what we've done and by what we've left undone. Our main problem is not that we're going to die, as horrific and terrifying as that thought is. The main problem that we have is that the image of God in us is broken by sin. In just a few minutes, Father Jim is going to lead us in a litany of penitence, which is a long list of things that we ought to regret and repent of. And if you have a hard time coming up with a list of your sins, this litany is going to help you remember. And if you're so overwhelmed by the weight of your sin that you can't even come up with a single thing to repent of, this litany is going to help you remember. And it leaves no stone unturned. So if you don't struggle with gossip or slander, it might call you out for your self-indulgent appetites. If you're good at paying attention to creation and being environmentally conscious, it might remind you of times that you were indifferent to injustice or cruelty. We all have sinned. And so we are all marked for death.
But the ash that we are marked with has a shape, the shape of a cross. Our epistle reading for today contains some of the most hopeful words in all of scripture. For our sake, he, God, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me read that again. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The only human being who would never sin, the one who Paul calls the very image of the invisible God, the one, the only one in whom the image of God was not broken, took on our image sinful and broken and forgetful as we are, so that we might be set to rights with God. So while Lent invites us to remember our sin and to experience real sorrow and repentance, it also prepares us for Easter, when we will rejoice in our resurrected Lord Jesus who saw us and knew us and walked in our footsteps and bore the mark of death on his own forehead so that the second half of Paul's explanation of death might be revealed. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The great Anglican reformer John Jewell wrote, Jesus' body is the ransom of the world and obtained everlasting redemption for us. By this body, I am now no more earth and ashes. Lent is not a season to try to muster up your own strength or to pull yourself up out of the ditch of sin. It's not a season to try harder, do more, and abuse yourself into obedience to God. It's a season to remember, to remember through your fasting, through your self-examination and prayer and almsgiving, that you are helpless to annihilate your own sin. You are helpless to save yourself and to cast yourself on the mercy of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. To remember that in your baptism, the permanent ash of death was washed away. To remember that Jesus bore his own ashes and was himself marked for death so that our deaths would be but a temporary arrangement. And to remember that Easter is coming. Easter is coming. And by his resurrection, we too will participate in the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. Amen.